Happy that you are here in the house of the Lord this morning. You know, before you were saved by the grace of God, coming to a church service on a Sunday, or for that matter, any time, was probably the, bit the last thing on your mind. No, there was no joy, no delight, no looking forward to being with God's people. The thought of coming maybe at a Christmas time or Easter, a wedding or a funeral, that would have been about the height of it. But today, saved by God's grace, we can rejoice to be in the house of prayer and praise. We can be thankful to God. A new opportunity is given to us, a new day of worshiping Him. And when you think about it, the day He has granted to us will never be lived again. And so, therefore, let us rejoice, let us be thankful, let us enter in with all that we have to the worship of our God. We're going to begin with number 13, Rejoice, the Lord is King. And this is good reason for us to lift our hearts and our voices in worship. Let's stand, please, as we sing.
is good to be able to praise our Lord today. And as we do so in song, we also do so in our prayer. Praying is very much a part of our worship unto the Lord. And therefore, as we begin our service and come to Him now in prayer, let's still our hearts and settle our minds and call upon His name. Father, as we come at the beginning of our worship service today, we humble ourselves, Lord, and we come with true thanksgiving in our being. We're thankful, Lord, for the rejoicing that we have in Christ Jesus because today we know our sins have been forgiven. We know that we have eternal life abiding within us. We have the promise of a home in heaven, and we are seated already there. O oh God, we pray that we will walk in the light of this truth every day, that we will not be cast down or discouraged, that we will not become the, the plaything of the devil, but rather, O oh God, we will walk in the light of our justification, that we will realize that we have been redeemed by the precious blood of our Redeemer, and that atonement that has been made is an everlasting value and we know it cannot be repeated, it cannot be improved upon, and nor will we ever lose that which has been given to us. We are safe and secure in the arms of our eternal God. And we know, Lord, that in the great court of heaven, we have been declared righteous and free from sin. Lord, this is, is a wonder and a marvel. And today we lift our hearts in thanksgiving. And Lord, we magnify the name of our Redeemer. We're thankful for our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. And we pray that we might grow more and more like Him, that we will reflect His beauty, His holiness, his love, His virtue. And Lord, that we will improve and increase every day. Father, let us not be consumed by our own interests, our own selfishness. Rather, Lord, that we might walk in the newness of life whereby we have been saved that we might walk and be a testimony for our Lord, that in a very dark and God-hating world, Father, that we will be a light, that we will be salt, and that we will be those who are ambassadors for truth to relay and to communicate, to speak of our salvation. And that, Lord, You would give us the joy of pointing people to our Savior. Lord, hear our prayer today. It is the heart cry, Lord, as we present ourselves and we would dedicate ourselves afresh, every saved person. Lord, give us that heart. We don't want to just expend ourselves and fizzle out. 
We want, O God, to be active and alive. We want to be useful in Your kingdom. In some way, in whatever way, Lord, it pleases You to use us, help us to be willing and available for that purpose. Dear Father, thankful for another Lord's Day we've been given, another privilege and opportunity to lift our voices and our hearts in worship. Come and settle our minds. Open the Scriptures to our hearts. Help us to receive well the application by the Holy Spirit of truth to our hearts. And help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Father, we remember today families that are saddened and grieving because of the loss of loved ones. We remember today the Hamilton family. We pray for our brother Stephen and the loss of his dear wife. We pray for Rachel and Rebecca, their children. Lord, You would help them and bless them through this difficult time. Remember again Serene and the loss of her uncle in the service yesterday. We pray as the Gospel went out that souls would be convicted and converted and brought to Christ. And dear Father, we know that there are others who are set aside today. We do remember our sister Isabel, and we pray for Your hand upon her of healing. We pray for Sharon as she's come through a a setback time in her own health, uh, that You would watch over her at this time and many others. We pray our sister Joan would know Your hand on her as she is traveling. Our brother Richard Teo, thankful he's here. And brother Ron, and even Serene again. We commit all of these dear ones, Lord, asking for Your grace to be poured out upon them. We pray for Mrs. Nichols. Lord, bless her and strengthen her in body, mind, and heart. We ask, Lord, to remember all of our elderly and those who are shut in those who were faithful at the house of God every service, Lord, but now they cannot be. Father, bless them abundantly where they are and encourage their hearts and be with them. And so, Father, hear our prayer today. Pour out Your Spirit upon us in worship. And as we open the Scripture, may we know much help from the Word of God to strengthen us in our daily witness. Remember our land. Remember, O God, the need we have for a gracious awakening, a moving of the Holy Spirit among all Your people, that each one of us would be bright lights in a very dark age. Remember, we pray, Father, our leaders. We pray for their salvation. We pray, O God, that they would be restrained from doing evil things. We ask, Father, also that You would bless richly those who are being persecuted for righteousness' sake, troubled in either far-off lands or closer to home, whatever the issue of persecution for their faith might be. Bless them and help them in this time. So, Lord, hear our prayer today. Continue with us now. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Psalm 68. If you're using our book, the Psalms are at the back. 
Psalm 68, verses 1, 3, 5, and 7. Standing, please, as we worship. Also going to read from a Psalm 121. Psalm 121. I know this is a favorite psalm of our sister Mrs. Crothers. Whenever we sing it or read it, she will tell me at the door, yes, it is one of her favorite psalms, and we're reading that today. 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even for evermore. Of all the things to highlight in this psalm, it is a great truth to be reassured in your hearts that the Lord is our helper. Verse 2, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. There's much in the psalms that speak to us about God being our aid, our assistance, the one to come by our side in every time of need. There is great encouragement for you today, Christian, to know this fact, 
that in the time of that need, you need only to cry, only to call upon Him, only to ask, and you will know the Lord is your helper. He is the one by your side. He is the one that does not ever become weary. We have friends that will offer their assistance in the time of our need, but they have to sleep sometime. They get weary. They may get tired of us calling upon them for help, but not so with the Lord. He is always there for us. He is always there to come to our aid. He does not become fatigued. He is not slumbering or sleeping. The Lord is always by our side. May that encourage our hearts today as we think about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our Redeemer. He is our Helper. He is our Friend. And so, if you are not a Christian here this morning, if you are not a believer in Christ, then you cannot say the Lord is your Helper. And you need Him as your helper, I assure you today. You need Him to be the helper to take your sin away. You need Him to be the helper to give you everlasting life. You need Him to be the helper to go by you at every step of life's journey. So, call upon Him now, and you may know the peace of God that passes all understanding. Welcome to our service this morning. Very happy that you are here, either in person or you are watching our service online. Very happy to be able to welcome to our service uh, Serene's uncle and uh, from Hong Kong. And our dear brother, we thank you. Uh, welcome in our service today. We're happy that you're here. And uh, thinking about uh, Serene's other uncle who passed away last week. And they had the funeral service yesterday at Chapel Ridge. And so do please continue to pray for all the family. Serene was telling me that the uncle that just passed away really had stepped into her life and helped her a lot during the time of her loss. Her own father passed away when she was five. And so the uncle that's with her today, he was the one that helped her through all the academics and maybe had to give her a spanking or two. She's mentioned about the discipline as well. I'm not so sure about all those details. But anyways, we're very happy that you're here, brother, in the service today. And also, our brother Brian Lembaga. We're very pleased that our brother was with us last Lord's Day and this day. And I said last Sunday that he was working in, La in, in Newfoundland. Well, it's actually technically Labrador. And he'll be heading back there tomorrow and do please remember our brother as he goes back to the place of his employment. And do please pray also for his family. Still overseas, still he is waiting for them to be able to come and join with him here. And so that's a burden upon the hearts of those who are going through these times of immigration issues. And we continue to hold up the Delina family as well uh, for those specific needs. We want to extend our condolences this morning to the Hamilton family, Reverend Stephen Hamilton from Walnut Port in Pennsylvania. We've been praying much for his dear wife, June, and she had been declining for some time. Uh, she passed away on Friday afternoon, and so she has gone home to be with her Lord, 
and uh, do remember the Hamilton family as they make the funeral arrangements now. The funeral will be, well, they're having a service in Pennsylvania on Thursday, this coming Thursday, but uh, Mrs. Hamilton is going to be interred in South Carolina in Greenville, and so they'll be having a burial service there on Saturday. So lots of arrangements, lots of details to get taken care of. Do please remember them. I've sent a few emails to Stephen over the course of this time, and from the whole congregation here, I passed on to him our condolences, and he is very thankful for the prayers for the, his wife during all the time of her sickness, and certainly now that they're sensing very much the Lord's presence with them and help during this time. Please also remember uh, Mrs. Kruger, Sharon. She's known as Auntie Sharon to all the boys and girls and so on. Well, she had a, a bit of a turn there and had to be taken into the hospital, but she's back home now, and uh, she had some reaction to some medication. And do please remember uh, Sharon in your prayers today as she is at home recovering. And, of course, we don't forget to remember Reverend John Bodner in his needs as well. Remember our services today. Our afternoon time of prayer before the evening service will be at 5.50 and our evening service at 6.30. And then please remember this coming Wednesday, our Bible study and prayer time. And Mr. Alec Newell, one of our elders, will be taking the prayer meeting this, Lord's, uh, this Wednesday evening. And then Reverend Frank DiDerno, I think that's probably the first time I've announced that name officially, as he has now been licensed under our presbytery, and he'll be taking the services next Lord's Day morning and evening. Do remember our brother in your prayers, because he will be heading, God willing, to Fredericton. He has already made accommodation uh, arrangements there, and uh, his father is going to be heading down with him sometime in August just to help him get set up, and then he hopes to commence his ministry early in September. I had also a very nice conversation yesterday with Neil Sampson. He has been the man who has been taking the services there in Fredericton for the last 15 years, and uh, he has really enjoyed that ministry. The people in the church have appreciated his, his ministry and his teaching, and so I wanted to chat to him and just uh, make some of the arrangements for the kind of a transition time over from Brother Neil uh, to uh, Brother Frank uh, Diderno, and do remember that congregation in prayer that the Lord would put His hand upon our brother's ministry from the very first service that he is going, and uh, God will pour out His blessing upon them. Let me ask for your prayers, certainly for our upcoming Young Adult Conference running from August the 2nd to the 6th. It's a Wednesday to a Lord's Day, and we're praying much for those services that we're going to be having, devotional times, outreach times, fellowship times, evening services. We're praying that God's Spirit would be upon Reverend Andrew Simpson as he comes to be the guest speaker and others. The Schultz family will also be arriving that week for that conference and then also for some deputation meetings in our local churches and it's going to be an exciting time. 
One of the needs that we have is for accommodation for two of our young men coming from Mexico. We're excited that they're going to be joining us, and we need to have accommodation for just over a week for them. And if you could help us in that regard, that would be very good. It would be ideal to have them staying in the same accommodation. And if you could house them for just over a week, please speak to me at the door today or email me and let me know if you can help us in that regard. This coming Saturday also is going to be the beginning of our youth camp from the Free Presbyterian for our denomination, and that will be in Pennsylvania. And so none of our folks are going to be attending this year, but we want to pray for that youth camp as well that the Lord would pour out His blessing on them. We just got a supply, the newest edition of the current magazine, and you'll see them on the tables at the back. Make sure you pick up a copy. Interesting article in here on fasting, and that's by Reverend Ian Brown. And the question is, have we forgot what fasting is? And I think you'll enjoy and appreciate that article. There's some other very interesting things. And then there's one on the very back page for the boys and girls, How to Talk to God. And that's a good article to read. And there's a crossword for the boys and girls to figure out there. And so you pick up a copy of that. We have no Sunday school through the course of our summertime. It's a break for teachers and people alike. But we did decide to have a couple of Lord's Days where the boys and girls in the service would be able to go downstairs for a special uh, time of Bible study. And today is one of those. So after we, at the final verse of the hymn we're about to sing, boys and girls, you make your way downstairs uh, for that special service today. Very happy, happy that our brother Chris Provost and his family is with us this morning. We've been praying for you, brother Chris, as well, for your health needs, and we want to remember him very much before the Lord as well. Let's sing now to the Lord's praise, number 39, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds, number 39, and we will stand as we sing.
Now, just before we sing this final verse, we'll remind the boys and girls, you can go out as we're singing this, but my, you look at this hymn written by John Newton, and I had to cast my eye up as I was singing through it because it is a good theological lesson all in the one hymn. Tremendous thoughts and words giving praise to the Lord, for Christ is our rock, He is our shepherd, our savior, our friend, and all of these ways we can describe who the Lord is to us and what he means to us. Let our hearts be filled with praise. Boys and girls, you leave now as we're singing the final verse. Till then I would... singing well. You may be seated. Turn please now in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. I'm surprising you probably thought it was going to be John 21, but it's not today. It is actually Matthew 28. So you turn up there. One dear lady said to me last Lord's Day, huh, are we turning to John 21 again? And I said, well, yes, we're almost done. We're not quite done, but we're almost finished there. And we've been thinking the last while about the Lord's appearances to His disciples after He rose from the dead. We're reading in Matthew 28 today. We're going to read from verse 16. And this portion, you know it well. You know how the Lord had risen from the dead And then the whole controversy that arose around the two soldiers that were there guarding the tomb, if you could imagine that, guarding the tomb of a man who had been recognized as being dead. And yet, of course, they were wondering, the Jews were, would someone try to come and steal away the body of Jesus and say He rose from the dead? Well, when the angel came down and struck them with sleep, And they woke up, they only realized after that all that had transpired, and there was no Jesus left in the tomb. Well, when they went back to the Jews and they told them this, they agreed to pay them large money. They would tell the story that the disciples did indeed come and steal the body away while they were sleeping. And if you knew anything about Roman law, if a soldier was found sleeping on duty and the prisoner escaped, they would be executed. But the Jews said, don't worry, we'll speak to Pilate, we'll cover everything for you, and pay you big money as well. And so that's how the thing continued on as far as what was spoken. Verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain, where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore 
and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, we have read just now these very, very profound words, a mountain peak of the Scripture. And I pray, Lord, that we would have understanding by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we would be very much aware of the Holy Spirit speaking through the Scripture, writing its truth upon our hearts. And Lord, help us, we pray, to receive and to apply and to see worked out in our life all of these things that are so necessary for us to learn. So, Father, hear our prayer today. Give me help. Give me strength, I pray, that is not of self, but the anointing of the Spirit of God to speak Thy Word faithfully and plainly and let no one misunderstand. Lord, hear our prayer. Bless us today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Today in our services, we are going to be looking at this account and the details surrounding it of the Lord appearing to His disciples, His eleven disciples, and where He appeared unto them. We want to focus on that thought this morning. And then tonight, we're going to be thinking about the amazing statement that Jesus said to His disciples recorded by John. Indeed, it was the the first recorded statement that the Lord made to these eleven disciples about the power that is given unto Him in heaven and in earth. But this morning, we want to think about where the Lord met with His disciples. And these post-resurrection appearances of Christ, they're filled with, well, many tender and precious moments along with the concluding comments and instructions that Jesus gave about the gospel message and about what they were to do with it. They were not to be idle. They were not to be couch potatoes. They were to take God's message and the gospel word and go out to proclaim that message. We could not miss the questions that The Lord asked Peter about his love. We've been thinking about that over the last few weeks. And nor do we miss the speaking voice of the Spirit to our own hearts as we hear the Lord asking us that question, do we love Christ with all our hearts? And what about when Jesus said to Peter, when he responded, hey, what about John? What's he going to do? Jesus said to him, Peter, mind your own business. Take care of the things that I have given you to take care of, and let me be concerned with other details that are not for you. Now, we are told in Matthew 28 that the eleven disciples 
went to Galilee to a mountain where Jesus had appointed them, this gathering was different from the gathering we're told about in John 21, where they went to the seashore and they were fishing. Jesus was there. Fish were being prepared and breakfast was served. There were only five disciples there at that time and two other disciples. Some wonder, was it the two unnamed ones on the road to Emmaus? We're not sure exactly. But there were only seven of them. But here, very specifically, we are told that there are eleven of the disciples now have met the Lord, and we're told that they worshipped Him. A clear acknowledgement that they recognized Him as the living God, the Messiah who had risen from the dead. They worshipped Him, but some doubted. That's not altogether strange for us to imagine, is it? Among the followers of Christ and all they had seen, these eleven specifically, they all observed with their eyewitnesses the Lord crucified and being put into a tomb. They knew He was dead. And the fact that He had now been declared risen from the dead, they had all heard this, Thomas doubted, and these ones also doubted. What was the timing of all this when the Lord appeared to them in Jerusalem in the house, when the eleven were there at the second gathering? Thomas was there. And now we come to this situation on top of the mountain. The timing of all this, some might place one before the other. But don't get all wrapped up in those details. The fact is that when we think about some of these disciples doubting, we would not be hard on them because faith, we understand, comes in shades and degrees. And our faith is always developing. As the Lord makes Himself known to us through His Word, we are growing in grace. And there are going to become times where we hit kind of a roadblock. And we think we should believe in this or we should accept this truth, but we're finding some difficulty. And the Lord has to teach us, show us. He has to lead us down a little bit farther. Sometimes we're slow to grasp the reality of the risen Christ in our lives. And what I mean by that is the evidence of the power of the risen Christ in our lives. And if we're slow to accept it and see it, well, let's pray that the Lord would open our understanding. But even though sometimes they were slow and so are we, if you are truly born again of the Spirit of God, every true believer will eventually embrace the Savior in all of His fullness and go forward in a life of faith and of service. That will be evident. Some slower than others, but you need to get on the rails of service, of living for Christ. And you need to put your doubts behind you. Paul said to the Hebrews that I would come to you and teach you as those who are mature in the faith. But he said, I can't do it. Because, he said, you're still children, some of you. And therefore, you have to be fed with milk 
as a baby would, and not with strong meat as an adult. And therefore, he's saying to them, it's time to grow up spiritually. It's time to put on the armor of God by faith and prayer and to receive what the Lord has given to us to go ahead in our Christian life. Not doubting, not looking behind, not uncertain, but saying, yes, Lord, I take you at your word and I'm going to live. I want to serve and embrace all there is in Christ. So today, this morning, as we think on these events, another post-resurrection appearance of the Lord, let's think today about where the Savior met with His disciples, where He appeared to them at this time. Before the Lord was crucified, He told them that He would meet them in Galilee. In Matthew 26, 32, Jesus said, But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. It would not be too much of a stretch to say that it was a common place that the disciples would have known when Jesus said, I'm going to meet you back in Galilee at a certain location. Familiarity to them, such a place, and the directive that the Lord gave them in Matthew 28, referring back to chapter 26, He said, I am going to appear. When I rise from the dead, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. Well, Galilee would be a fairly large region, Where would they know to meet the Lord in Galilee if He had not specified a location? And I believe it's not too far for us to realize that that was the very place where they knew to go and meet the Lord. Obviously, they recalled what Jesus had told them, and they made their way to that place. We are told that some doubted. And it's not hard for us to believe that, as we have gone through ourselves also many doubting times. And we mingle with our doubts our fears. We mingle with our doubts and our fears other conflicting circumstances that have happened in our life. And we wonder, Lord, what are you doing? How are you leading me? And so we can be also faced with these varying opinions. But the Lord told them where they were to go. And this reassured them that when Christ appeared to them, He was validating His Word is true. When Christ says something, we can bank on that. And we can be assured that when He tells us something, His Word is solid gold. I wish that our words were always as solid gold as the Lord's. We are to live in honesty. We are to live with truthfulness. When we say somebody, when we shake a hand on a deal, it's to be a deal done and not broken if all within our power to keep it is is there. Ah, friend, let us know this for certain today that when our Savior speaks a word, 
we have in the Scripture to us, we can be certain that that Word is true and it will come to pass. Where did He tell them He was going to meet them? We have in Matthew 28, it was on a mountain. It was on a mountain. Now, many times they had come apart from the rush and busyness of the life and ministry they had with the Lord, the disciples through His lifetime. And some of the times they went up to a mountain to get alone with Jesus Himself in those away places, often upon a higher hill secluded from the crowds. And what did they do there? They listened to His teaching. They were conscious of the impact of His words upon their life. They enjoyed fellowship with Christ. And as they thought about those times in later years, now the Lord had met with them, and I'm imagining as they would go on in later years, the Holy Spirit, we are told, brought back to their remembrance things exactly as they happened, especially the Gospel writers, they, the Holy Spirit brought back to them with perfect recollection the words, the details, the locations, every admonition, every rebuke of their faithlessness, and all was done so that they would have time to reflect upon the words that Jesus had spoken, and they would also, friends, I... I say to you, they would have some times of regret as they considered their own faithless behavior. Times of regret when they would wonder, why were we so slow to believe? He said to us, O ye of little faith. He called us little faiths. How could we have possibly missed seeing and believing and accepting what Jesus had told us? But they had. They did. And they remembered those times. And this was an opportunity, one of these situations, coming up to a mountain, a place that they knew of, a place that they had fellowship with Jesus previously in, and they knew that place. It was on a mountain or a hill in Galilee that the Savior delivered the Sermon on the Mount. We call them sometimes the Beatitudes. In Matthew chapter 5 is where it begins in this Gospel. And it was on a mountain that the Lord Himself often resorted to pray. He would separate Himself from the crowd, even from the other disciples at times, and go very early in the morning by Himself up into that special place of talking with His heavenly Father. It was also on a mountain that He was transfigured before Peter, James, and John when Moses and Elijah talked with the Lord Jesus and His glory was revealed at that time. And they talked about His decease, about His crucifixion. Peter and James and John, they knew of that place. And they remembered of that place. 
Mountains in the Bible, they are significant meeting places where God shows Himself to His people for special purposes. You know the account of Moses as he was called by God to go up to Mount Sinai. And he went up to Mount Sinai where he would receive the law on two tables of stone. He was there for 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat any food. He did not drink any water. He was not dehydrated nor malnourished. For God, who is the keeper of the body and the soul, preserved Moses and sustained him at that time period when Moses was alone with God and God wrote on the two tables of stone with His own finger the ten words. The ten commandments were given in that mountain place where God's servant was alone with his God. We also know that the people sinned in the golden calf issue. And God said to Moses, get down quickly. They have sinned. They have turned away. And when Moses came down from the mount holding the two stone tablets, and he saw his anger was kindled, he threw the stone tablets down, shattered them in pieces. And as he dealt with the people then, God in mercy called Moses to come back up into that mountain again. And he was there for another 40 days and 40 nights with God. And the Lord again with His finger wrote the ten words over, re-emphasizing, giving the law to the people. And what Moses did in that mountain with communion as he was with God, it was for the benefit of all humanity. We have been the recipients of that blessing and benefit to this day. When Moses came down after the second 40 days and 40 nights, still neither eating nor drinking, being sustained by God, he wasn't thin as a rail, as we would expect someone would be, but he was a different man in his appearance because his face was shining. And when his face was shining, it seemed to begin with that Moses was not aware of it. And the people said, hide, put a veil upon your face. You know, friends, if we spend time in fellowship with our God upon the mountaintop, people will see a difference in us as well they will notice there's a difference about our attitude. There's a difference about our behavior. There's a difference about the way we speak and about the way we communicate in life, the way we go about doing God's work. And our face may not have a shining to the degree that Moses had in that day, but the application is there as we are with our Lord in the mountaintop place where He wants to meet with us. It is there we will know His presence. We will know His peace. 
We will know our hearts filled with Him. I don't have to tell you that our lives are very busy. And it seems that the busier we allow them to be, the busier they will get. And as technology improves and as things become easier to get done by the computer or by other ways, you would think, oh, I've got more time out of my day. Now I'll just spend more time with God, right? Wrong. That doesn't happen. What happens is, we now find ourselves able to accomplish the same things we did five years ago in a faster space of time, and then what do we do? We just end up doing more stuff. We just fill up the stuff with more stuff to do. Maybe it's pleasurable things, or maybe it's just more work. Don't we have to be careful to always evaluate and reevaluate and prioritize our time? And prioritize, should we not be with our God in the quiet place? It was on a mountain where the Lord called His disciples to meet Him. This mountain, it was an appointed place. They were to meet the Lord. Where? On higher ground. Christ did not arrange such a meeting place randomly. He didn't just say, oh, let me think, where can we meet with my disciples? How about this place? The Lord never operates like that. He operates always with a purpose, with a reason behind what He's doing. And in this sense, He specifically, we are told, that Jesus appointed, and the word means He ordered, He set He determined that place where He was going to meet with His eleven disciples after He had risen from the dead. The Lord always has reasons for what He does. Some we may see immediately, and others, it may take us a long time. Years, as a matter of fact. And then sometimes we're going to have to wait until we get to heaven to understand why or what the Lord has purposed in our life. And yet any place where we are privileged to meet with our Lord, it should be a special place for us. In the Old Testament days, the tabernacle in the wilderness and the temple when it was built by Solomon, these were sort of, we could call them, official designated places where God said He would meet with His people. And the reason for that was because where the blood atonement had been sprinkled of the innocent animal being sacrificed for the guilty sinner, that's the place where God said, I will meet with you. It was sprinkled on the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark is where the two tables of stone, the law, the second set, they were kept in the Ark of the Covenant. And that's the place where God said He would meet 
with His people. But in the New Testament, following the crucifixion of our Lord, what happened at that moment was that the veil of the temple that separated between the holy place and the holy of holies, that veil was divinely torn apart from the top to the bottom. And when that veil, that covering, that blockage between someone just going right into the Holy of Holies, that was torn apart was the great indication that the work of our redemption has now been completed. And we have the opportunity of accessing freely and always welcome into the presence of God. It was symbolic. And when Christ has now risen from the dead after having been crucified, He meets with His disciples in the mountaintop experience, and they now have this communion with God in a way that was going to become far more open than ever they had experienced before, because Christ would soon ascend up to heaven and the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would come and would make Himself known and the power of God and the fellowship that they were able to have. We are accepted today in the Beloved. We're accepted by our Father in heaven And we are always welcome. Note that, friends. We are always welcome into His presence. We are able to come because our sins have been washed away and we have access full and free. We are told to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of our need. And from the time of the resurrection and the ascension of Christ into glory, believers can meet anywhere and be assured that their Lord is with them. For Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in My name, there am I in the midst of them. And that's our joy and the promise we have right now as we're meeting in our place here. We don't go, we don't have to go any longer to a special place like the tabernacle or the temple to find God. No, we are able to speak with Him. We have open access to Him at all times and in all places. And so you might ask this question, well, what is the significance of this appointed place where Jesus met with His servants? Well, from a geographical point of view, we do not know what that significance was. We might imagine, we might suggest, we might put out some hypotheses, but we do not know. But the geographical position is not the primary area here. The whole point was from a spiritual perspective that where Christ is, His people are able to come and meet with Him. And we are, no matter where we are in this world, we are called to get alone with our Lord and to meet with Him, to worship Him, to pray. So, 
We want to ask ourselves the question this morning, are we shutting the Lord out of our life because we are too busy, because we are too consumed with other things? Are we not prioritizing the meeting with God the way we should be? The speaking voice of the Holy Spirit, He uses His Word. He uses the Scripture to reveal more of Christ to us. And the more that you and I are in His Word, and the more that we are in fellowship with our Lord, wherever that may be, He has called us to the appointed place of fellowship with Him. And that's the point we're making. Let us not avoid it. Let us not neglect it. Let us not put it out of its prioritized position that it should be in. Ah, friends, we are called to walk with the Lord. He met with His people on the mountaintop. He met with them in an appointed place. It was His determination. And it was also a familiar place to those disciples. They knew it well. They knew it not only because of its familiarity of being there, but because Jesus had told them to meet Him there after He had risen from the dead. You and I both know that familiar places to us, they can have both happy and sad memories. And so as these disciples revisited all the locations that they were with the Lord within His ministry, sometimes they would be filled with regret because they were slow to understand. They were slow to believe what Jesus had told them. They were powerless to heal or to cast out demons. And yet their hearts also, in some of those same places, they would leap for joy Because at those times, they would have seen with their own eyes the miracles performed. They would have known lame people getting strength to their limbs. They would have seen the dead raised to life again. And they would have remembered the sweet times of instruction and communion that they had with the Lord. Yes, those familiar places, they held many precious memories, and they kept them, I would say to you, for the rest of their life and into eternity. We have all had and experienced in our lives those special places that remain with us. How sweet they are in our memory, where God opened the Scriptures to you and impressed a verse of the Bible upon your heart, and it was real, it was alive, it was vibrant, it was a speaking word to your heart, and you remember that. And you rejoice in that truth. And you can be thankful to the Lord this morning that you had those precious and you have those memories. But friends, we must not live in the place of some fading memory. We must not always be looking back in our life and think, oh, that was a great time I had with God 25 years ago. 
That's no good. We cannot sustain our walk with the Lord by constantly looking back, but we must be living in the daily reality of the mountaintop experience with the Lord. In that familiar place, in that regular place, in that place where our souls are fed with spiritual food. And when we meet with the Lord around His Word and in fellowship with other believers, we will have the joy and the peace of a strong walk with God, not relying on ourselves, no, friends, not having to always have others pushing us down that road, not always having the pastor having to encourage or push you down that road. No. We all need to be encouraged. And that's good to do that. It is notable that our Lord also wanted to meet with His disciples at that specific location. For us, we have the promise given by our Lord that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And so, as Christ desires to meet with His people, do you realize, Christian, today that He desires to meet with you? And you might think, me? Like, I'm nobody. Why would the Lord want to meet with me? That's the great wonder of sovereign, condescending grace. It's the fact that He wants to meet with you today. He wants to be with you. Ah, friend, let us be careful that we don't neglect it. It is a truth that goes beyond our understanding. And we ask the question, why would the God of heaven and earth who has all that He could have to make Him joyful or happy, why would He want to meet with us? Do you know why, friend? Because He calls us His special treasure. That again is a great wonder of grace, and I don't comprehend and understand why that is, but the Lord calls us His special treasure. He has given us to His only begotten Son in covenant promise. The Lord Jesus died for us, and we are His, and He is ours, and He delights in you, believer. And He wants your fellowship. And the Lord of heaven and earth, who cherishes us as His children, He will never do us any harm. He will never do us any ill. And you look at your life at times, as I do, and we think of circumstances and events that have happened, and if you look at them in isolation, you will go well, you'll come up with the wrong conclusions. But all things are working together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And our God will never do us any harm. We must look at the big picture, at the eternal picture, because this life journey is just like the snap of a finger. It's just like a vapor that appears for a little time and then is gone. Our destination is eternity in glory with our Redeemer. Friend, that is our 
home. And we will see our Lord Jesus there in all of His resurrection glory. Our Lord desires to meet with us in our times of quiet and determined, specific places. But He also delights to meet with us in our daily commute, in our house activities and labors, as you're cutting the grass, as you're doing work around the house, whatever it might be. The Lord delights to commune with you every moment of the day. Let's not neglect this place of sweet fellowship with our God. Let us pray, Lord, carry me in spirit, in heart, in soul, up to that place where you have appointed to meet with me, to that place where it will become heaven on earth for his people. May the Lord bless his word to your heart today. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Dear Father, I pray that today, Lord, you would forgive us and wash us from all of our times of neglect and failure, and that we would know, Lord, renewed fellowship in the quiet place, in the place that is busy and noisy, that we will walk with our Lord continually. Dear Father, hear our prayer today. Pour out Your Spirit upon us. Bless us. Be with everyone in this fellowship and be with everyone watching the service online today. May their hearts be blessed and edified through the Word. Lord, hear our prayer. If any are not saved today, I pray that they would come to trust in Jesus as their own. Bless us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing number 471. This is a prayer. Higher ground. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Let's stand as we sing.
Father, take this as our prayer today, we ask in Jesus' name, and pour out Your Spirit abundantly, powerfully, and help us to walk each day, each moment of the day, in closer and closer fellowship with our Redeemer. We know, Lord, that this is but a steps of progress of our sanctification, of what it will be when we come to glory and we will be made like unto our Lord Jesus, and we will have that unbroken, unhindered fellowship all the time. Lord, hear our prayer today. Separate us now in Your fear with Your watch, care, and blessing. Go in front of every believer. And Lord, again we ask to save those who are without Christ. Hear our prayer today and bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.